Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. This week on the podcast, I'm thrilled to have Kemi King from World Bicycle Relief join the show. If you're not already familiar with World Bicycle Relief, it's an amazing 15-year-old nonprofit that has delivered over 500,000 bikes to those in need around the world. I'm very excited for you to get to know a little bit more about World Bicycle Relief from Kemi, and also hear about their ride on June 5th, the Pedal to Empower ride. It's something, regardless of where you are in the world, you can get involved in, as well as three in-person events around the country that we'll get into. Stick around till the end of the podcast, because we've got a special announcement about how local gravel riders in the Bay Area can get involved. Ordinarily, this would be where I ask for your support of the podcast, but today I'd prefer that you go over to worldbicyclerelief.org and contribute to what they're doing. As you'll learn from Kemi, every $147 nets a new bike for someone in need. So let's get together and support this great cause. With all that said, let's dive right into my discussion with Kemi. Kemi, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Craig. Thanks for having me, and I'm excited to to chat. Yeah, I'm really excited to learn more about World Bicycle Relief, and it was super fortuitous that I ran into one of your contributors on the trail a couple weeks ago and learned about the upcoming event you have. So super excited to dig into that. But before we get started, let's just find out a little bit about your background and how you got involved in cycling and ultimately joining the World Bicycle Relief team. Sure. It actually all started during a tough period of my life. I personally embraced cycling as a positive force, and I wholeheartedly understand really how a bicycle can change everything. And I think a lot of the listeners here can relate to that. For me, it really was profound. I went from a really unhappy, overweight lounger to an, a joyful elite cyclist in three short years. I, at that time, founded a women's pro road team and uh, found myself training and racing among some of the world's strongest people on earth. I had been a supporter and kind of longtime donor for World Bicycle Relief and was thrilled to take on the role of director of philanthropy for the Western US and Canada just about two years ago. And now I get to support their mission daily and spend some of my time training and looking for that next extreme challenge, whether it's on the road or dirt. First off, what an amazing journey into cycling. And I think, as you noted, a lot of our listeners have mimicked that same story back to me that the bicycle has been really transformational in some element of their life. So it's really exciting to hear you say that and really exciting to learn that you've changed that You've fueled that passion into a career, first founding a cycling program, a racing program, and later finding World Bicycle Relief. Can you tell us about World Bicycle Relief and and what the focus is? Sure. Yeah. World Bicycle Relief, or WBR, as we like to shorten it because it's a mouthful, was founded in 2005 by FK Day, one of the founders of SRAM, and Leah Misbach Day a documentary photographer, in response to the tsunami in the Indian Ocean. And they wanted to be able to provide some support to the people in Sri Lanka. So they quickly rounded up as many bicycles they could and traveled to Sri Lanka to distribute them. And through the beautiful stories that Leah captured and the time that they were able to spend just meeting with the people and, and capturing all that information, they brought back this this 
devastation to light to the rest of the world. And they quickly learned <laughs> that their work would not end there. So together with support from SRAM and other industry leaders, FK and Leah designed a rugged, specially designed and locally assembled Buffalo Bicycle and launched World Bicycle Relief to mobilize and empower people with bicycles to help them conquer the challenge of distance, achieve independence, and thrive. Over the past 15 years, we've distributed more than 550,000 Buffalo Bicycles to students, healthcare workers, and entrepreneurs across Africa, South America, Southeast Asia. It's a sustainable and scalable program that's led by strong infrastructure of trained local mechanics, assemblers, and supervisor supervisory committees. There's a lot to unpack there. I have a question. When they first saw the tsunami disaster, was there something they knew specifically that the bicycle could change in that community? Obviously, people were throwing money at it, but throwing bicycles at it was probably a unique proposition at that moment. Yeah, it really was. They just, they knew that people couldn't get from place to place. Everything had been completely destroyed. And the only thing that kind of could make its way through any of the roads or the destruction was a bicycle. And they were able to quickly provide some of that. You mentioned the specifically designed Buffalo bicycles, which some of the listeners may have seen pictures of. But can you describe why it's important, these sort of important elements of the design? And I know you alluded to them being locally assembled and some of the local infrastructure that probably revolves around having the exact same bike in every project you're involved in. It actually came from some exploration in the field. We believe that all answers are found in the field. And as our team was spending time in Africa, they were looking at these, what they called bicycle-shaped objects. And they were bicycles that were falling apart, that weren't actually fulfilling the needs that the people using them were, require, were requiring. So they decided that something had to be created that was a little bit more sturdy and a little bit more capable of hauling loads up to 250 pounds and working in that, that area of where the terrain was a little bit more rugged. So they, they created the Buffalo Bicycle, and it is one, one size fits all. It's, it's one bicycle. It has all the same parts and pieces. We have about 2,500 mechanics in the field that service those bicycles and shops that locally that assemble the bicycles to distribute and keep those bikes up and running. So I've seen pictures of people riding with multiple family members on the back or big loads of maybe their, the wares that they've had from a farm or something to transport. So it sounds like it's a very utilitarian bike that can serve a lot of different purposes. It can. It's, uh, it's something that's amazing that just this bicycle helps those access medical care. They get farmers and produce and milk to the markets and pile on the kids to get them to, to school. <laughs> so it's been a 15-year journey, and presumably the organization has continued to grow both in its size and impact over the year. Had there been any changes, obviously with the global pandemic, had there been any changes in your plans or execution across the world? Yeah, so much has happened, obviously, in 2020 with COVID. And we were able to transition a little bit last year to provide 2,500 bicycles for COVID-19 response pretty immediately as COVID hit. And we distributed still 40,000 bicycles last year 
hitting our historic 500,000 along the way. We also launched our 21st program country in Colombia. So even though last year had some crazy times, we still were able to take care of some of those needs and focus on some immediate needs at hand with COVID. Yeah, I have to imagine a lot of these bikes are being used in unexpected and new ways to help support potentially getting vaccinations out or certainly servicing the health needs of rural communities. Yeah, just livelihood needs to find food and other things in those areas as well. You mentioned Colombia as being the 21st program, and that's in South America. Are the majority of programs across Africa, or what territories have you been addressing? Yeah, most of the programs are in Africa. We've found that the largest need was there, but there's definitely need all over the world. Like I've mentioned, we've been in Sri Lanka. We've um, opened up into Colombia. We had some really unique partnerships that allowed us to open up there. We also are working on a multi-gear drivetrain which will open up a few more opportunities in allowing us to distribute in areas where there might be a few more hills. <laughs> Colombia may qualify as one of those countries. Yes, yes. At the moment, we're focusing on some flat areas, but definitely has, has its needs with the hills. What is it like when you introduce a program into a country? Is it critical that you build on-the-ground infrastructure to support the bicycles you're delivering? Yes. Yeah. We've got program facilities now in Barranquilla, Colombia, where we've got a team that supports a warehouse and provides the assembly and the mechanics that are needed for that area. And, and as we can distribute around those areas and spread our little bicycles throughout the country, we've had some really interesting programming there. Of course, with COVID, things have been shut down a little bit more and schools have been closed. So our programming has been a touch different, but now the, the need to get back into school is dire. And I'll touch a little bit more on that as we go as well. Yeah, that'd be great to talk about where WBR is today and, and in 2021, what are the kind of key need areas that you guys are trying to address? Yeah, as we look at what's happened and where we are, the odds against women and girls in developing regions actually have amplified over the past year. That's where a large focus of ours will be because 47 million women have been pushed into extreme poverty and about 10 million additional child brides have happened over this past decade, 11 million girls won't return to school this year. So with the pandemic, it's created short and long-term challenges for our communities. While eyes, the world's eyes, ways to open back up, we need to ensure that those programs aren't left behind, provide opportunities to ensure that they can rebound and thrive. How is the organization funded to do all this work? We've got a couple different ways. Obviously, we look for donor support to everyone and anyone. <laughs> we get some corporate uh, partnerships. We have major donors and grassroots donors, everyone that's willing to give whatever they can. We also do have some social enter enterprise programs with our Buffalo Bicycles. So Buffalo Bicycles is its own entity that allows us to provide purchase programs for entrepreneurs. We also have other additional programs that will purchase the bicycles from us and distribute themselves, uh, UNICEF being one of those. We've got several other partners within Africa that will purchase the bicycles and distribute as well. So we have a couple different ways of bringing those, those dollars into the organization. So when you reference micro-entrepreneurs that might purchase Buffalo bikes, are those 
people in these countries who have passed some certification and are, are looking to finance bringing bikes into the country and distributing them? We've got a little bit of that. We also have just people that come in to purchase the bike, save their pennies and purchase a bike for 147 Each bike costs $147 and they're eager to come in and, and make their own purchase. We've got small companies that purchase bikes. We actually had quite a few security companies purchasing bikes through COVID to get um, individuals to different areas or even into work. So, yeah, it was interesting to see the growth on that social enterprise side of the program. That's super interesting. You mentioned quite frequently just the efforts you're making towards helping women around the world. And I think you've got a, a new program that you recently launched on that subject. Yeah, actually, as this airs, our uh, new Women on Wheels program will will be launching, and that is to help uh, these women build their businesses, care for the sick, reach school on time, serve the community, avoid harassment, advocate for girls, increase their incomes. There's a whole list of different things that these women are continuing to do by breaking boundaries and serving their communities. So we've got this long-standing relationship with people and partners in the field who have firsthand experienced what is needed to drive those meaning that meaningful change. And we've proven repeatedly and recently without response to that to the pandemic outreach. We're positioned now with our Buffalo Bicycles to lead on more programming and hope to bring in more communities where we can mobilize. Is that an initiative that you're fundraising for specifically, or do you tend to fundraise as an umbrella organization and then fund the different initiatives internally as makes sense? We do both. We do focus some interesting campaigns each year on a specific area. So this is really focusing on our Women on Wheels and how we can message around focusing just these funds on providing that that need for women. There's so many different stories of how those women's lives have changed. One of my favorites, I'll just start sharing a, a couple stories. Dilshani was actually one of our very first recipients in Sri Lanka to receive a bicycle, and it allowed her to go to school and become a nurse. And my favorite part about Dilshani's bike is that 10 years later, her sister used that same bike to travel to school. Amazing. Amazing. We've also got Ayan, which She's one of my favorites because there's a video of hers and there's so many amazing videos on our website. I I would invite the listeners to to go onto the website, see the pictures and stories, watch the videos. But she's started in one of the videos and it starts with her saying, when I'm stressed out, I just take my bicycle and go for a ride. It's amazing. I just feel I'm not even in this world. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just the best feeling I can ex- anyone can experience in his or her life. And as we were talking before, so many of our listeners can feel that exact same way. I think I know that I do. I can't even believe I said that without getting choked up because she's been just inspirational. She's been inspirational to her community as well as the girls have met her. She's actually the first Muslim girl in that community to receive a bicycle and as she was riding to school, the other girls realized, oh my gosh, she can ride bikes. She can. She's just like us. And she loves riding a bike as well. And those friendships were started. And as, as they were able to become friends and continue riding, they set aside some differences, which at this time in this world right now, 
is one of the best things we could ask for. Yeah, that's so amazing. It's And it is such a universal sentiment, as you said. We so often on the podcast talk about how the gravel bike allows us to explore and get out of our daily lives and how we've all made connections with other athletes solely because we see someone next to us riding. And you don't think about what their race is, what their sex is, where they're from, what they do for a living. All is them pedaling up the same hill you're pedaling up with a smile on their face. And it's just an easy way to make connections. Absolutely. And that's, we're seeing it so many places with our distribution too, that, that they're experiencing that too. Not only are these bikes changing their lives for other various reasons for providing food for their families or extra income or just getting to school, but they're loving riding those bikes, which we do too. And, and nothing else matters. Very true. Very true. So just drilling in a little bit more, you had mentioned a bicycle costs $147. Is that the amount that if one were to want to donate, $147 is what they should donate in order to believe that they've purchased one bike for someone in need? Yep. One bike, $147. Of course, that may be a lot to ask of someone. And $10 is awesome. Any Anything will obviously help. But that $147 does provide that one bicycle to, to a person in need. That's really cool. So this is an exciting moment in time where we'll air this in May and in early June, you've got one of your bigger kind of global outreach programs going on that may help some listeners drive towards that being a date. They're going to donate some money to WBR. Can you talk about what's going on June 5th? Yeah. Yeah. So June 5th, we've decided (laughs) it should be our global um, World Bicycle Relief ride that we call Pedal to Empower. And this is to celebrate, obviously, our Women on Wheels campaign that we'll be running and to celebrate World Bicycle Day. And for those of you who aren't aware, possibly, June 3rd has been made World Bicycle Day, obviously, to celebrate bicycles as a simple, affordable, reliable, and environmentally sustainable mode of transportation. So we've thought, what better way than to celebrate that day and our own day of creating hopefully what we could call a a global movement of participation to pedal to empower. And our focus obviously is now to pedal to empower women and girls as we try to get those needs of getting the girls back into school mostly. Has WBR done these type of rides before? I feel like over the last few years, I've seen friends in the community host rides. Were they just doing that on their own or was that a coordinated kind of effort? We actually have hosted rides annually here, especially in the Bay Area. There's been one or two rides, one often in Mill Valley, a couple down in the peninsula. And last year, we decided that we wanted to create a little bit larger scale ride and hopefully make this global impact. COVID hit (laughs) and transitions happened with everybody. And we went for a virtual ride. And what was great about that is it allowed us to create this virtual ride that can happen everywhere, every year. We did change the date from last year. It was, the ride happened in September in hopes that we could really take advantage of that June 3rd World Bicycle Day and really target that and celebrate that at the same time. So yeah, this year has moved to June 5th and we're very excited to be able to 
provide that virtual event, what we're calling a DIY adventure. You can sign up, register for that DIY adventure and take advantage of the Pedal to Empower app that we provide as well. There'll be a few challenges so you can get create something or create your own. I know there's a 160 mile challenge for anyone that wants to get a little bit crazy and a few other little ones involving your kids or riders in the community that may not be hardcore riders like many of us. And so there's that kind of solo option where you can create that DIY adventure. And that's in hopes that we can really get some global involvement. We'd like to see a thousand participants in all 50 states across 35 countries. We'd love to see a million um, plus in social reach. And that registration is free. And it allows us to track towards our goals. Go on the website, pedaltoempower.com and register. Join us. Create your own DIY adventure. There's a couple options if you want to take it a next step up. There's a option to host or join a team where you could organize a group locally, invite your friends, family, coworkers. We've got toolkits to provide for the team captains to help guide through some fundraising options if you were interested in that in that option. And then exciting to have returned this year some in-person rides. And they'll be small events. We're trying to keep in mind the local protocols and the, the concerns of in-person events right now. And those are planned for New York, Chicago, and the Bay Area. So we would love to see anyone that wants to join us in those areas. They are road rides, road events, but we could get a little creative with the gravel. <laughs> nice, nice. The New York City ride, is that sort of starting in Manhattan or is it outside? It's actually the city? In, in Terrytown. Okay. So, yeah, you'll see uh, those familiar with that area will be in, in Terrytown. And then how about Chicago? Hold, please. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the oh, yeah. spot. It's, uh, it's the Chicago North Shore. I apologize. This is what I should know. It's starting from the community house for those that might be familiar with that area. And these details can be found on our website, too. As you click to register, there's the options for the DIY ride. And then farther down, you'll see join the Chicago ride, the New York or the Bay Area. And being local in the Bay Area one, I'm all over that one and know where that one is and can give you the details. <laughs> It'll be starting in uh, Mill Valley at, at Floodwater. Floodwater, for the local listeners, a, a newish restaurant attached to the Holiday Inn Express as you enter Mill Valley. Yes, Floodwater is where we'll be. We've got all the waters here, so which we will be riding and seeing all the beautiful waters as we take the routes here. That'll be perfect. It's an easy ride in from San Francisco. That's right off the bike path as a starting point. And I, I've been so excited about learning more about World Bicycle Relief and wanting to contribute. What I wanted to offer, if your game is, I'll lead any local gravel riders on a gravel route where we'll try to aim to a similar destination as the road group, but we'll take an off-road off-road route, certainly on the climbing aspects and then circle around and end up at floodwater to meet everybody post-ride. That would be awesome. And we can make sure we arrange and lead your group off on a separate adventure. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, obviously we're mostly gravel cyclists, although we do dabble on the road here on the podcast, definitely register for the event. Look for details either directly from me or if you're in the ridership forum, I'll be posting there. We'll pick a time to start that ride. They're going to, as I understand it, Kemi, you're going to have multiple different rollout times for the 
shorter version and the longer version of the road, correct? Yes. Yeah. We're going to have staggered times at all of the locations where you can even pick a time that works with your group or the the kind of our communities are pretty strong in each city and there's different groups that love to connect with each other and find each other again. So we're hoping that they'll self-select and start those times, obviously, mostly to keep this uh, distancing a little bit <laughs> at heart still. And yeah. And just for clarity, riders should bring their own sort of nutritional supplies and water for the ride. Is that correct? Yeah, we will have actually some aid stations along the way. Um, Happy to have Rafa supporting those actually in each of our locations. So the longer rides will have an aid station. The shorter route may not have that, but we will have SAG support. So there will be a kind of food and water and drinks along the way if needed. There will definitely be some setup at the beginning too to pack your pockets and have stuff ready. Okay, great. As I think about designing a route, I'll try to get from you where that aid station might be. I've got a couple ideas on how to get over the mountain where we might encounter some water so everybody is safely hydrated and fueled up for the day. Wonderful. Yeah, I can definitely get that aligned for you. Cool. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I was really excited to learn more about World Bicycle Relief. It's so amazing the impact you've described, such a relatively small amount of money when we think about all the expensive bikes that are out there in the world, that $147 can really transform someone's lives overseas. So it's such a great cause, and I appreciate you giving us an overview of it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here and to be able to chat about it. So that's it for this week's edition of the Gravel Ride Podcast. Thank you for spending part of your week with us this week. As we just mentioned, on June 5th is the Pedal to Empower ride. Please go over to worldbicyclerelief.org and make a donation today. As you've learned, your donation will have an outsized impact on someone's life. If you're interested in joining me in Mill Valley on June 5th for the dirt version of the World Bicycle Relief ride, please head on over to The Ridership at www.theridership.com or follow me on social media as I'll be posting details as to when to meet and how to register for the event. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. Bye.